Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Mixed martial arts and boxing fans, it's time for Fighter's Fury inside the heart of a champion with your hosts, Brendan Tobin, Seema, and Tommy Guns. It's time for Fighter's Fury on AM790 The Ticket. Well, bright, bright and early. Bright eyed and bushy tailed today. 9 a.m. start. It's almost like it's football season. Hot damn. It's all right, though. I am fired up. We got a lot to get to today. I was watching that bare knuckle stuff yesterday. This is a bare knuckle weekend. There was no UFC, not really any boxing to speak of. Next week is loaded. I don't know. I always get confused because I was like looking and I run down the schedule. I was like, all right, what's coming up? next week because a lot of times we preview what's coming up next week and i saw that there's a ufc card next week there's a fox boxing card a the zone boxing card an espn boxing card a showtime boxing card i'm just like well why don't they split it up a little bit like obviously i gotta imagine in these meetings there's like a a, a spreadsheet of some sort why doesn't anybody look at that and be like, oh, man, there's like an open weekend here. The audience is, we got it all to ourselves. And no, in fact, I found it a little bit weird this week because with this bare knuckle stuff and and, and it was looking at the two promotions that were going down because our guy Dada 5000 had his debut on Friday, his promotional debut. He wasn't fighting, but he had his, his card, uh, the Brawl for it all in Wyoming on Friday night, and then Saturday night you had uh, Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship having their, I think it was their fifth card, I think it was five, and that had a highly publicized main event because you had Artem Lobov taking on Jason Knight, two ex-UFC guys, and presumably if Artem wins that fight, he's going to end up fighting Pauli Malignaggi. They had a ton of headlines this week because Malignaggi slapped him. They had a little melee at the media day. So it's not only weird that this was a weekend that was open of boxing or mixed martial arts, but you had two bare-knuckle fight promotions going down the same week. I just found it odd from a scheduling standpoint. I guess the thirst, this was this was bare-knuckle weekend. And I wonder if some of that has to do with uh, the fact that WrestleMania is tonight. So maybe they just were figuring, like, there's a lot of crossover there. Let's not even focus on putting anything... I don't know, Final Four weekend also, so maybe that was part of it. But it was just weird to me. It was like, oh, Saturday night, there's nothing happening. I bet Final Four actually probably had more to do with it now that I'm running it all down. Um, But either way, I just found strange. Like, man, everybody's bunched up next week, and there's nothing this week other than bare knuckle. So I caught a little bit of of Dada 5000's card on Friday. That Trigon is, is crazy claustrophobic it's 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 odd watching it it's just like man there's there's nowhere to go in in the midst of this thing it led to a lot of finishes there was an eye poke in the last uh in the main event which uh which led to a no contest but uh shout out to dada 5000 thought that went well and then last night you had the bare knuckle 
FC, number five. I love having Antonio Tarver on the call. That guy's so he's like he's so he's so raw and and, and unfiltered, and uh, it's uh, he just he just brings a fun dynamic to it. But you had uh, Lobov who was taking on Jason Knight. Uh, Jason Knight, that of uh, the uh, former UFC, the former UFC fighter Hick Diaz. He's gone under the moniker of got a really good run, and then. Burst onto the scene, got some bonuses, was a really popular fighter, and then just hit a wall as a, as a win streak was as a as a uh, he hit a wall as a losing streak was concerned, and it was uh, you know it was it was bummer to see because he was a popular UFC fighter, and Artem you know has a pretty rough record, but he's always fun. He brings he's a, he brings the Brings action as far as the slugfest is concerned. And he he was actually granted his release. I don't even think it was a case where they wanted to get rid of him. They're just like, all right, all right you want to go? And so they got this opportunity. But the thing, there's a couple things about Bare Knuckle that you just notice in the few cards that I've seen. I've probably watched, like, you know, three of these things. And mostly co-main and main. I watched the first one that they had. And I watched the whole card. And then I've, I've peeked in for the main events of these things. Uh, there was one that was folded up. This bare knuckle has gotten very, very... It's it's the buzz thing to do right now. And a lot of that started back here. I mean, look, let's be honest. Like, Kimbo Slice doing the backyard brawling. Jorge Masvidal doing the backyard brawling. Dada 5000 dogfight. Super popular on Netflix. Um... And it's an if anybody hasn't seen Dogfight, uh, Billy Corbin's documentary starring Dada Five Thousand, high recommend on Netflix. It's a really really great piece. Uh, they worked a lot. They they put a lot of years behind it. And uh, I remember I was I was waiting for it forever, and I ended up buying it for like when they first released it independently. Like I think it was like seven ninety nine or nine ninety nine, whatever it was. And I still have it. I still have it downloaded on my uh, on my laptop. But it ended up making the move to Netflix. And I've talked to Dada about this that it just. It blew up. It blew him up in popularity, and they're making a sequel that will involve like this promotion, uh, the Kimbo fight, which is one of the highly highest rated Bellator fights of all time. I know that it has, uh, you know, it was one of the the worst Bellator fights of all time because of the action that was in there. Um, you had two guys who probably, if we're all in all honesty, were medically unfit to fight. Um, you know, Kimbo had the thing going on with his heart. He tested positive for steroids, which I imagine can't be great for that. And then you have Dada 5000 who, you know, thinks that he was poisoned, but also was cutting weight for the first time. So his kidneys were shutting down and is also in the first real, you know, in a, in a, in a, in a three round fight. His heart is stopping. Uh, wasn't really fit to fight physically. And also Kimbo really he couldn't knock him out till he passed out because that is a big human being and and uh you know even the great kimbo slice with as much thunder as he had in his fists it's a big human being that you got to put down and dada was a guy who cut to 265 it's not easy so either way uh this bare knuckle thing has become the buzz thing to do it's 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 the new wave and the, the, the there's a couple things that you notice about it and i don't know if it's the type of fighters that you're watching and that probably goes into it but it does feel like Watching it, the 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 te- he the all 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 technical side of it kind of goes by the wayside. Like you just feel like these guys go into savage mode because their knuckles are uncovered. They're allowed to tape up their wrists. 
it makes for a lot of cuts. Um, there's a couple of things. Like, one, the highlight reel knockout, you know, gloves on, um, that stuff can allow for you to throw m- with more force and protect your hands, but you're also wary of that, so you're not going to necessarily put everything you got into it all the time. And because of that, you don't get these crazy knockouts. But because there is no padding, um, a lot of guys go down faster. A lot of these things end up quicker. And, man, the cuts is really what you notice. Because the skin on skin that you have with these bare knuckle fights, it's brutal. Like Jason Knight left that fight yesterday looking like Swiss cheese. Artem Lobov left that fight yesterday looking like grounded beef. They put a lot of a, a, a lot of damage on their face. Both guys went the distance. A lot of knockdowns, especially from Artem to Jason Knight. He ended up getting the nod. He's gonna fight Pauli Malinaji next. I'm looking forward to seeing what that is because one, I think that's gonna be a hell of a fight lead up. Two, it's going to be interesting in a guy like Pauli Malinaji, who's worn boxing gloves his entire life, um, who you would say of the two is definitely going to be the the, the greater te- uh, uh, technician as it, as it goes into the fight. But it is a different world. And I got to tell you, like, you just you don't see the same type of science. It's like these guys are just I don't know if it's not having the protection there or whatnot, but it just feels like they're both throwing just crazy haymakers and seeing what gets through but man they were both tough it was wildly entertaining i am curious to see what is the future of this like what is going to be the ultimate uh the ultimate future for bare knuckle because it's no secret that popularity of fighting is violence and if you like blood if you like violence this is about as gruesome as it gets it does lead to a lot of blood it does feel a little bit uh taboo watching it i'm sure like the early days of of watching ufc did and i'm not one to dismiss that this can be that this can be super popular i think it does have a future i think this is something that that definitely can have legs bare knuckle is on its on its early standing but you know if you are going to pay these guys good money, if you're gonna if you're gonna be able to lure these people from the UFC and have that name value to do something a little bit different, I think it almost has more benefit than say like a Mighty Mouse going from UFC to one championship. It's like yeah, it's cool to see Mighty Mouse go fight in one championship, but I've already seen him at the top. And Artem and Jason Knight, it's like. I've seen these guys in the top promotion, and you kind of know what they are. But now you get to see them not exactly in mixed martial arts, but doing what they do best in almost a raw form. Same thing with Dada 5000, given the opportunities that he did to his guys. like Or taking those guys from the Dogfight Netflix and putting them on this different platform. It's uh, it's different. It, it, it does have a different feel to it. It's... Um, you know, I do think that there'll be people who are just like, nah, you know what, man, that's just, it's not for me. I'm not, I'm not there to see dude just get cut up with, with, uh, with nasty shots. I want to see the, uh, the, 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 the science behind it. I want to see all the things flow together. I want to see a guy who's a wrestler versus a striker. And I get that. Look, I think that it's, I'm not saying it's going to be as popular as mixed martial arts or boxing. I'm not saying that, but I do think because, 
dudes thirst for this stuff and guys want to see violent action. Um, if you can get if you can get the names, I do think that Bare Knuckle FC so far seems like they got the bull by the horns as far as the best formula to it. They seem like they have matches in mind. They seem like they have futures in mind. They seem like they have good backing. The production is pretty fantastic. I like the look of their ring. Um, it's it, it looks like it's got some legs, man. It really does. Um, they are the one that seems legit. There was one other one that uh, that that uh, Sean Marion bowed out of, and Johnny Hendricks uh, ended up getting screwed on. Like they that they weren't even paying people. That was super sketchy, and you hate to see that. Um, but it does feel like uh, you know BKFC they got something going, and I know Dada Five Thousand with his background and in as good a promoter as he is, he's just kind of getting started on this thing. He, uh, he's, he's got the mindset for this too. I think the better off for him is probably doing it on a different weekend than bare knuckle FC the next time around, because one, they were both on the same platform of fight TV. And it just felt like BKFC swallowed up the, uh, the trigon and all that stuff. It just didn't feel like they got the same promotion. They got the same kick. And obviously the Artem Lobov thing, having the connection to Conor McGregor and the Pauli Malignaggi thing, was going to boost it up. So I imagine if you're going to fork over your $25 to one or the other, it was probably going to be to BKFC um, more so than it was the Brawl for it all, BYB. So that was just my two cents of the uh, the Bare Knuckle weekend. We come back. We got to get into a few things. One, there's a change in UFC Fort Lauderdale. Uh, main event has been scratched. And so we got a new main event. And also... UFC 236 is coming up next week. A monster, monster card. A great main event. A great co-main event. We'll get to that next. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. All right, welcome back, guys. Fighters Fury rolls on here on this Sunday morning. Up early today. We'll be back to 10 a.m. next week. They're doing a special broadcast from Bo's Beach today. Guys, get on out there. Get yourself some breakfast. Get yourself settled in for some Miami Heat basketball. It's kind of, look, this is do or die. <laughs> Pretty much have to win out if you want to make the playoffs. So it's a, it's an important one for the Heat, but they're also doing a cool thing for Dwayne Wade. They're doing a big old greeting card for him. We're going to be out there on Tuesday celebrating Dwayne Wade's last regular season home game. Hopefully not his last, but like I said, it's, uh, it's dire straits right now. Every game pretty much is a must win the rest of the way out for your Miami Heat. So get on out there. They'll be starting at 10 a.m. with that broadcast, and we'll be back next week to our regular time. Um, if you guys are tuned in a little bit early, missed the first segment, you can download the podcast, radio.com, uh, download all your podcast platforms. We got everything fixed, by the way. I know some people were hounding us and all the stuff that was going down. Quick PSA, if you have any issues with the podcast still, I'm gonna put a video out, but if you are still having issues with any of our podcasts, Zazzle Romberg and Amber, Curtis and Perk, uh, my show in the afternoon with, with Leroy and Beast, uh, any, of the, any of the podcast platforms, this is what I recommend. If you have the radio.com app, uninstall it, reinstall it. You you know, it should take you a matter of 30 seconds. Then you go back, you find your podcast, they should be all they all should be there. If you listen on Apple or Google Play and all that stuff, that's what I would do. I'd unsubscribe. And then what I would do is research out your podcast. There'll probably be a couple that show up. A couple of like, for example, Totally Run Bees, there'll be a couple channels that show up. Pick the one with the newest episodes. That's your new feed all there for you okay cool cool all right so big news this week locally in the world of mixed martial arts we have ufc for lauderdale coming up in about three weeks time 
in 20 days, actually, we'll have uh, we'll have the UFC making its return to South Florida, which we're very excited about. But took a big blow this week. It took a really big blow because the star of the card, Yoel Romero, he is off the card. Yoel has pneumonia, and so he's unable to fight. Huge bummer because he was the star draw of this all. He was the guy that was, I feel like, going to bring the most eyeballs to this card locally. He was going to bring the most buzz, just like he did at the Hard Rock a few years ago. And this was a hell of a fight, a hell of a clash between Jacare Souza, Yo Romero. It was a controversial fight the last time, very, very closely contested. Um, a lot of people had it going different ways, and the fact that we're not getting it now really, really sucks. Jacare is a great fighter. I love watching Jacare Souza fight, but I, but I, you know, Yoel lives down here, Cuban community. It felt like a match made in heaven. Um, he's always a title contender as well. Jacare is as well, but this really, you know, this felt like the cherry on top. You know, we talked about this card a lot, and you know, they put together the, enough to get the people out there. And I felt like once they had Yoel Romero versus Jacare Souza. That was going to be enough. See, people are fired up down here to have UFC back, and that was going to be enough. So Yoel's not not able to fight, and that's a huge bummer. We we hope Yoel gets healthy as soon as possible, and that he's back in the ring because we love uh, we love seeing him go out there and and perform. So now we find out this week that it's going to be. And this was replay, uh, reported late Friday night from Brett Okamoto that. The main event is going to be Jacare Souza against Jack Hermanson for the main event. And what's on the line for this? Brett Okamoto reports that if Jacare wins the fight, he has been promised a title shot against the winner of Robert Whitaker versus the interim title winner of next week. Robert Whitaker will be back in August, I believe. Hopefully he's able to fight right in August because you figure... April, May, June, July. It's like five months. I mean, I guess that's enough. Maybe September is when he returns. However, I will say for Jacare, that's a, that's that's going to end up being a pretty long layoff for him because let's say that title fight is until September. You know, you're probably not seeing those guys again until January of next year. So, you know, this is going to be pro- – if Jacare is, is going to stick to that, if he wins this fight, you're not going to probably see him in the ring again until – yeah, January of next year. You know, unless, you know, Robert Whitaker wants to do a super quick turnaround or something like that. Um, and also, we got to realize that Robert Whitaker in every fight that he goes into is probably going to get injured and uh, and going to have some time off as well because he doesn't get any out of any of his fights healthy. Not that any fighter does, but you know what I mean. Like, he has, an in, he has some kind of limb injury or hand injury or something that takes extra rehab outside of just fight recovery. So might be a while. This might be the last time you see Souza in the ring for a little bit. As far as Romance is concerned, he is coming into this thing riding high because he just beat the hell out of David Branch in just a matter of seconds. I mean, he went into this past card, and that was a week ago at UFC Philadelphia, and he beat David Branch with a guillotine choke in 40 seconds, 49 seconds. So if he wins this fight, you're talking about, for him, a a big boost in his stock and his chance to really get into that middleweight title picture, which is always a need of some new blood. But this could be a really, really big thing 
for for the guy from from Sweden. You know that he could he could end up getting himself a big launch if he gets this win for himself. But it's just different having a guy who's just stepping in last minute. There were some reports. I saw a rumor that Paulo Costa was bantied about, but you know those reports were coming out of Brazil and. You don't know. I mean, like I don't know what's up with Borgina. I don't know why he is. Uh, he's on the sidelines. We know the the rumor that Yoel threw out there, but he's vastly denied the USADA stuff. Um, you know, I'm not gonna lie. Lu- having Jacare versus Jacker Manson, it's just not the same feel down here that the other fights would have had. So you're going into this fight now, and you know John Lineker versus Corey Sandhagen. Monster fight. Ben Saunders, just, uh, Takashi Sato is uh, is one of the bouts. You know, Andre Arlovsky, absolute legend, taking on uh, Augusto Saki in one of the bouts. Jim Miller is going to be fighting on the card. Court McGee versus Diego Lima. And then the co-main event is going to be Greg Hardy against uh, Dmitry Smolikov. Smolikov. And we know that Greg Hardy is there for the eyeballs. Um, he is His last fight wasn't fantastic. Ended in an illegal knee, which... I'm sure it was crushing for him because everybody's going into that, looking at the freak show. What is Greg Hardy going to bring to the table? And when it ends like that, um, you're going to have a lot of criticism fall on your head. So this is a bit of a chance at redemption for him to get his UFC career on track. Is is this for Greg Hardy? This is this is this is what this fight is. And it actually, if you're into there's heavy stakes. I do feel like there are some there there are some heavy stakes for him in this regard. Um, This, I feel like you're looking at him and saying, all right, man, is there a future in this? Is this for real? Because we're putting you on the big stage not only once but twice in a row. Obviously, people want to see you. They wouldn't put him back there if there weren't huge spike in ratings the last time that he fought in the co-main event. But it needs to be shown that he's got the goods, that there actually is a future here, that this guy is actually learning, and that he can actually do something. We've seen him in at, at, in the in the contender series. He's obviously got thunder in those hands. He's unbelievably explosive for for what he's bringing into the octagon. But does he know the rules? Is he conditioned to fight? What is he going to do when things don't go right for him? These are the things that are that. Or or can he just go in there and can he steamroll Dmitry Smolikov? And can he get the buzz back in there that hey, look, this, this may not be a perfect product, but look what he does if things are going right for him can the buzz get going back in there because if, if he has another one of those performances where people are going to be like you know he just doesn't look up to the quality of the promotion i feel like another one of those is going to be a big blow to him and there's going to be some some recalibrating as far as the career is concerned so I, I do actually think with greg hardy there's a lot on the line with this with this with this co-main event that's coming up I, I really do. And and as far as the last time he was coming in, that card was a lot more stacked in regard to, you know, I didn't really just, I, I just didn't get it as far as you looked at all the star power they put onto that card. It's like, that's what they're, that's what put him as the co-main event. But he obviously drew eyeballs. This one, um, the star power is a little bit less. And, you know, I could see why they're, they're definitely putting Greg Hardy on there. That's that's almost going to be the thing that people are going to be looking to the most on this card. All right, let's see what Greg Hardy's going to do tonight because you have a last minute co- you have a last minute main event that's thrown in there, and 
I wasn't expecting miracles for the UFC. Like, look, you lose Yoel Romero on three weeks' notice, and you got to fit. Hey, by the way, we need to find somebody to fight Jacare Souza, one of the best submission artists of all time. Not a lot of people are signing up for that man. That's not that's not going to end up in a lot of people raising. But yeah, yeah, I'd love to fight Jacare. When is the fight in three weeks? And also, a lot of people are t- are tied up in this division right now. You know, Gastelum and, and Adesanya are fighting each other, and Chris Weidman is still getting healthy. He just lost to Jacare in a brutal fashion. Luke Rockhold is moving up, so. You have a lot of things that are shifting as far as the middleweight division is concerned, and we don't know what's going on with Paulo Costa. Something is keeping him out of the octagon right now. There's not a lot of options for the UFC when it comes to 185. So did the best they could in that regard, but it is it, we can't we can't act like it's not a big blow to lose your local main event fighter who was going to be a big draw. It is. It is. And hopefully... For this market's sake, I do have my worries because I know what happened last time. We know that this is not a place they come to often. And we know that this town needs a big event to get them out there. It's just the facts. Like, we we know how this market works. So, you know, having the guy who lives in Miami who is who was a Cuban Olympian in the main event as opposed to a dude who's from Sweden... I just think that that is going to be an uphill climb. And so hopefully just the idea of having the UFC down here in South Florida is going to be enough this time that the popularity has grown enough down here that the culture of the sport, because so many people train down here, all of the metrics in that regard, I hope that that is enough to get a good crowd out there to the BB&T Center so they do regularly come back here. And that that the that the that it'll show that the desire for the sport to be down here is still very very strong. Because look, I'm telling you, go to the these fights on the local scene, and man, these atmospheres are very 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 fun. You know, the the the, the these guys who are building their careers down here on all the local scene, you know, XFN, Titan FC, all these things that are that that, that are going down here. Uh, whether it be the local boxing matches, I mean, the fight community down here is so so strong. I don't want it being painted with the brush that it's not because I know that it is. But I do understand the difference in you don't want to be thrown, hey, great, the UFC's here. Look what they gave us again. They gave us a main event that hodgepodge together, even if it was out of their control. And a guy who's four fights into his UFC career is the co-main event. I get it. But I hope, I'm hoping that the appeal of the league or that the promotion being down here is enough to draw them out. When we come back, we'll get into UFC 236 coming up next week. And, of course, we will touch on all the things that happened this week as far as Conor McGregor and Habib was concerned. Very, very ugly week for those two in regards to the promotion of the sport and their behavior online and all that stuff. We'll get to that when we come back after this. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. All right, welcome back, guys. It is Fighters Fury here on The Ticket. Big time card coming up next week. We have UFC 236 from Atlanta. I'm very excited for this card, man. You have a main event I'm stoked for in Max Holloway against Dustin Poirier for the interim lightweight championship of the world. These two guys right here, man, I mean, they bring so much action every single fight. 
They have been winning so many fights left and right. I mean, I'm I, I'm really, really excited for Dustin Poirier to finally get this opportunity at a title shot because if he wasn't in the lightweight division, he would have gotten three title shots already with, with the run that he's been on since moving to lightweight. I mean, you're talking about since 2015, he's lost one fight. One fight in the toughest division in the sport for four years. That's crazy. That's crazy. Since losing to Conor McGregor in 2014, he's lost one other fight. And it's been such an impressive run. None of his fights go the distance. They're all they're all just all action, hellacious, skilled, violent. He's just one of the most entertaining fighters on the card, Dustin Poirier. And because he's in this division with you know, the likes of Conor McGregor and the Habib uh, drama that's gone around and even Tony Ferguson winning winning an interim title. It's been so hard to be the guy out on the outside looking in when it comes to this title picture because there's been so many other factors that have held up other contenders getting their shot. And Dustin has been a big victim of that. And so the fact that he would just shut up, go into that cage, put forth a great performance, it just warrants a title shot. And you can't help but feel good for that. Then you look at then you look at Max Holloway, who has been just on such an impressive rise f- since he lost to Conor McGregor. Ironically, I mean, since he lost to Conor McGregor back in 2013, so we're talking six years. He has won one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen fights in a row. Thirteen fights in a row. He won the title. In 2017, when he knocked out Jose Aldo, beat him in the rematch, and put forth a hellacious beatdown on Brian Ortega, who is steamrolling folks. Brian Ortega, the first guy to ever finish Frankie Edgar, uh, a submission wizard in that regard, but finished Frankie Edgar with a, with a, with an absolute devastating elbow, and he, and he made mincemeat of him. So these two guys who first faced each other back when Max Holloway was 19 years old. Dustin Poirier, also just a kid. I mean, back in 2012. And they put that that, that fight out on, on YouTube. And you just look at them. Man, look at these two kids. And look what they've become. It just... It, 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 I, I would find it impossible. It would have to be some weird cosmic crossover of the stars, comets, and planets... That Max Holloway versus Dustin Poirier would be a terrible fight. How is this not going to be fight of the night? These two guys are made for fight of the night. They, they, they put forth great performances every time they step into the cage. And now you got to wonder who the hell's coming out on top. And here's what I would say. Max Holloway is dipping his toes into the lightweight pool for the first time. He has been dominant at featherweight. Dominant. He has been an unbelievable champion. He's been unbelievable with all action. But he's tried this once before. Tried to come up base Khabib on a few weeks' notice. Remember, he had to cut a lot of weight on, a, on, on just a week's notice. Excuse me. And doctors shut it down. They wouldn't let him do it. So now he's got a full camp getting ready for a guy in Dustin Poirier. This is what I would say, though. You know, the prob- the one thing I will say about Max 
But one thing I will say about Max is he does get hit. Max will get hit. The thing that you have to worry about with Max is once he takes your fire, typically he brings forth a lot more in return and wears you down, breaks you down, and beats you down. But that's against featherweights. So now a guy who does get hit and will take his lickings, now once he's in there with a premier striker in Dustin Poirier, I mean, a guy who is good at everything, who, I mean, think about this with Dustin Poirier. All right? His last few fights, Eddie Alvarez, Justin Gaethje, Anthony Bass, and we can even go back to the Eddie Alvarez fight before that because he was winning that fight before Eddie Alvarez, you know, it got stopped with the legal knees. So those last four fights, you're talking about Eddie Alvarez, one of the most violent, well-rounded, battle-tested fighters of all time, former champion, dice through him, Justin Gaethje, who... I don't know if you've seen what he's been doing in his career since he's been in the UFC. Every night is fight of the night because you know that it's going to be going up against basically a zombie coming at you. Dealt with him. Anthony Pettis, former champion, went in there, dealt with him. All these guys, if you were to probably look at them on paper against Dustin Poirier, you'd probably think, nah, not Dustin, not, not good enough. But this guy has been steamrolling, folks. The most violent people in the game. Former champions. Left and right. He's just, he's a lot more skilled than you think he is. He's a lot more devastating than you think he is. And because he's been kind of the anonymous guy in this star-studded division that has been overrun by trash talk, by injuries and interim belts it's easy to get lost in the shuffle but if you just look at the resume it's pretty damn good it's pretty damn dynamic and so my concern for max in this fight is okay man you usually play that game of i'm gonna let you get yours early on i don't think you can do that against dustin port yet and i find that to be a huge problem for max holloway going into this fight i really really do I know he's great. I know he's got that. I know he's got that. Uh, that 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 tremendous striking, but Dustin's got a longer reach. Not as tall, but he's got a longer reach. He's quick. Trains with the best team in the world. Partial to his trainer. I think that guy's really good. Shout out to Dia Davis. Um, man, I just I I really I feel like for Dustin. It's all been leading up to this. This is the guy who's been on the back burner, who would never get his shot, who's never gotten his opportunity. He had the one chance where he's going to get Nate Diaz and got damn hurt going into that thing. So this this feels like it's been four years in the making since he made this move to lightweight. This is his. This is him knocking on the door. I just don't. And for Max, you're always wary of these guys who are just making these jumps to kind of do something. And for Max, I feel like it can be, it, it, it's just kind of another notch on the belt. But it's dangerous playing that game at lightweight when you've been playing that game at featherweight. I know 
We've seen guys who have had success moving up in weight and feeling a little bit more natural, maybe feeling a little bit stronger. But part of the thing with Max is, you know, Max has never been a guy who, like, he's not like a one-hitter quitter. Like, he doesn't dead you with one shot. It's volume. It's cardio. It's all that stuff involved. And, you know, Dustin Poirier got the gas tank. Dustin Poirier deals with volume. Dustin Poirier makes people miss. You know, I just, I, I feel like he's going in there with something that he hasn't been in there with in a while. And so, for me, I'm picking Dustin Poirier to win this fight and take the interim championship. And I think that's going to be really great because I think that guy, that guy's going to make some fun championship-level fights. Him versus Khabib is fun. Him versus Tony is fun. Him versus Connor again would be fun. Everybody up there. A rematch against Gaethje, all that stuff. It would all be fantastic with him up at the top of the division and Holloway would too but I just feel like this is for me Dustin Poirier's time it's been brewing to this for a while and so I'm picking him to beat the featherweight champion to take the interim 155 title the other fight that we got going in there is the is the interim title between Israel Adesanya against Kelvin Gastelum couple things with this fight doesn't excite me as much as the as the other interim title fight does for a couple of reasons one Robert Whitaker, um, unfortunate what happened with him, feels a little bit quick to pull the trigger on an interim title. I know they were concerned with when that was going, when he was going to be back. Him being back in August, I feel like it's a little bit unnecessary to do this fight. Um, you look at the two of them; they are physically polar opposites of each other. You have Israel Adesanya, tall, lanky, crazy striking style against Kelvin Gastelum, who short for this division, uh, thought of as small for the middleweight division, um, but is tremendously talented. You know, like, what he's good at is going out there and getting wins. Like, you don't really look at Kelvin and say he's got one particular strength, uh, just that he is good at everything. He just shows up and he puts together a good game plan. For me, I, I look at Israel and I wonder for him, what he's going to do if Kelvin does get a hold of him, how is he going to handle that, or is his takedown defense going to be strong enough to not deal or have to deal with that? The one thing I will say about Kelvin that I think he has to be wary of, when we've seen him get dealt with before, it's been a case of a guy just being a little bit too big for him for that division, and Israel's a big dude. I mean, he's he's tall. He feels like he's got some real physical advantages on Kelvin that if he puts his striking in the right place, I don't know how Kelvin's going to get to him. He's another one, too, where his he's been cooking on the on the right side of this thing as far as where his uh, his wins have been concerned and, and how he's been performing. His performances against Anderson Silva and Derek Brunson and Brad Zavars, I mean, it's all been very, very impressive. Uh, he seems like this next wave of new striker, so... Uh, in my mind, I'm leaning. I'm I'm leaning towards Stylebender to get this win, um, but Kelvin will always shock you. I mean, I feel like in my mind, this is the one where I could see it being more of a coin toss than the main event. Um, but I'm going to pick Stylebender to get the win on this one. It's a great card, man. It's going to be a fun one from Atlanta, and see where everything kind of lies. It's always it's always interesting to get that resolution. What's going to be there for the what's what's going to be there for for these guys in the follow-up of this uh but lightweight's always an interesting one because of the connor stuff the tony stuff 
the Khabib stuff and to have some kind of a path and a way to go after this is is going to be nice to know that we'll have some direction going there. Really interesting. A couple of people text in. You can text show 67974 on the com text line. Text right saying, why don't they put Mosfidal on the card down here? Um, the big reason for that is Mosfidal has a fight. He's going to be fighting in July. He's taking on Ben Askren at UFC 239. We talked about that fight a little bit last week. If you guys want to uh, check out the podcast, uh, it's up there for you. But just in the brief, he's uh, that fight with Ben Askren is a big one. I would imagine if he wins that fight, he's going to be fighting for the welterweight title. So... It's uh that's that's a that's a big one for Masvidal. Uh, I can't imagine unless they backed up a a Brinks truck of cash that was in like seven figures. He's going to be uh he's going to be coming in to save a main event, and then and then of course you also have to put on top of that um who's he gonna fight? You have to go then find a, a welterweight dance partner. And yeah, I can't imagine that either one of those guys knowing what's at stake with that upcoming fight. They're not swooping in to be a hero. Uh, with a guy who's not even in their weight class. So that's why. It would be cool. Uh, I would love to see Masvidal in a fight down here. It would be uh, it would be huge. But, you know, maybe Masvidal, if he ends up winning the title in a year's time, they could do UFC Miami finally. And that would be pretty badass. Uh, final thing before we get out of here. So the week was overtaken by this. And it was the Conor McGregor versus Khabib Nurmagomedov Twitter beef that went down. And if you guys are unfamiliar and i imagine if you listen to the show you're probably not unfamiliar with it but just a brief recap so connor retired habib ended up telling russian media that he was acting like a jealous wife who always threatens to leave but never does connor then hits him up with uh, this tweet about his wife at her wedding and we've never really seen habib's wife keeps his family life very very private and she's wearing uh, a veil they're obviously having a traditional muslim wedding so her face is completely covered up. And so he tweeted out he tweeted out that your wife is a towel mate. And that's obviously not very cool, Islamophobic. Um going in that regard again. So he then followed it up with uh don't be scared of a rematch, you scurrying little rat. You'll do what you're always told always. And then Khabib hit him with this. Rapist, you are a rapist, you are a hypocrite who is not responsible for your actions. Justice will find you. We will see. And so that's up there. All right. If you guys know Conor McGregor dealing with some sexual assault allegations out of Ireland, that was reported by the New York Times. Conor followed that up with plot twist. It's a goat under that towel. So doubling down. And Khabib follows that up with, if you think that insulting an entire religion, you will be safe. You are mistaken. So then reports came out that, uh, that Dana White told the two to cool it. Conor deleted some of his tweets. And he said that I want to move forward with my fans, all faiths and backgrounds, all faith challenges to be our best selves. It is one world, one for all. Now see you in the octagon. So seemingly Connor is uh, no longer retired with that. Uh, Habib went to Russian media and he says that he always wants to be in headlines. If you notice after each UFC event, he makes comments. He praises those who win and insults others. This is his way of self-promotion. I have no problem with that. He can say whatever he wants, but inside the cage, he didn't say anything. When I was hitting him in the face with elbows and knees, he didn't say anything. When I said let's talk, he didn't respond. And now that he's thousands of kilometers away, he is saying things. Just shows what kind of a low life he really is. And when he was on the floor, he didn't speak to me. That's what really matters. And from Habib's standpoint, it's hard It's it's hard not to have the mic drop in that. You know, like Connor, this all just feels like such a desperate move for him. 
to get the Khabib fight again. It really does. It's not cool that Khabib is bringing up, you know, the rapist stuff, but you got you went after the man's wife, making fun of his wife in the, the most sacred day of their lives. So you're going to go to some dark places with Conor McGregor. And I know Conor's gone to places before where, you know, he's brought up culture, where he's brought up race, where it's gotten dicey with him. I know that it has. and I know that people have fed into that. And I got to be honest with you, I don't even know if this was a bad week for him as far as people wanting to see the fight again because I think people even want to see Khabib kick his ass again after this. But the thing that has to be known with him is where, where he's lost his way in all this is this ultimately all had a path to get to titles and get to victory. And this just doesn't feel like that. This just feels like I'm going to just say the nastiest stuff to drive a dude who personally hates me even more crazy. And that's not why people started supporting Conor McGregor. People wanted to see the guy who was going to be a, a modern Ali with his predictions and visualizing and all that stuff that was perfected in a cage. And now that he took his beat down and he got beat up by Khabib very, very badly, he feels like a guy that, that is is grabbing at straws to get this guy back in the cage when you know, if we're being real about it, doesn't deserve to be there. I mean, give me the argument. If we were just talking about that was Fighter X who just took that beating for four rounds, give me the argument that he deserves to fight Khabib again. He doesn't. Not in this division. Not not when not not when we see all these guys out there who are deserving of it in at 155 pounds. You know, but if Tyron Woodley's not getting a rematch against uh, against. Kamaru Usman, if Stipe isn't getting a rematch against Daniel Cormier, why the hell does Conor McGregor deserve a rematch? So what is he doing? He's throwing up some Hail Marys and really offensive Hail Marys. So I, I just, I feel like, you know, for him, it really would just be best served to just go get a win against anybody, anybody, Cowboy, Poirier, uh, Nate Diaz again, hell, anybody, Jose Aldo, do that rematch finally. But, I mean, the Khabib rematch, in what world? In what world should he get that rematch? The, the point was proven in the octagon. And this is, it just reeks of such desperation to get back in the talks of getting that fight again. And that's not, that's not what made people like it, man. That's not what made fans uh, go crazy to see your fights. It's, it's all turning bad. Like, it's not just a case. I mean, they'll always be the zealots, but this is not the place where you're going to get a lot of people to want to see you back on top of the mountain again. Um, so it was uh, it was disappointing to see that this week, and mostly from his standpoint. The Khabib stuff, I get why he went there. And people can say, well, he threw the first shot, called him a jealous wife. It's like, there's levels to this. He went at Conor McGregor and called him something. Conor went at the dude's actual wife. I mean... That you know he could he could have kept it in so many lanes and went to that one. So of course you're going to go to a dark place when you're Khabib. Everybody uh, have a great rest of your day. Got a special broadcast. Greg Likens, Rashad Butler coming up from Bose Beach in Fort Lauderdale. Get on out there, go celebrate Dwayne Wade before the Heat take on the Raptors. We will talk to you guys ten o'clock next week. Back to a normal time. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.